wait to uh, have a bit more community time over uh, lunch in the lobby after service. It's great to see everybody. How are you feeling? You doing okay? Yeah? Amen? Amen? I'd like to open with a scripture today, one that kind of helps uh, set the stage for the next uh, season for us from Matthew chapter 11. It's one we say a fair amount, especially over 2020, but, um, but I think it really just connects. And I've got two different translations to read from. And so I'm going to start with our NLT, and then I'm going to hop over to the message. And so you just follow me with this. It says this. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, say this with me, rest. Okay? Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And this is our second translation here. It says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's good to see everyone. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is David. Hey, everyone. So good to see you. <laughs> um, I'm one of the pastors here. Just really happy to be sharing from the scriptures as we kick off this new series um, on the practice of rest called The Good Life. And um, are, the, are the caffeines here today? No? It's Russ's birthday. If anyone knows Russ, just make sure you give him a little text message at some point. I was going to like give him a big high five, but if he's not here, then we can all just point out that he's not here instead, you know? So, anyway. Russ, I hope you're watching online uh, and feeling really guilty about not being at church on your birthday. Anyway. All right, I'm just kidding. So anyway, uh, today we are beginning an extended conversation here at Highlands that will carry us all the way up, probably through Easter, called The Good Life. And in it, we're taking a closer look at what God says is the best life can be and how to get there. That as we follow Jesus together, we would not only believe in him theoretically, but that we would learn from him as he leads us practically day after day after day to the good life that he lived and that he modeled. In Matthew 11, we just read it twice. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. And I think sometimes this verse gets a bit lost in translation when we start talking about yokes and all this different stuff. But essentially what he is saying is, come to me, I want to show you how to live. I want to show you how to make the best decisions and make the most of your time. I want to show you how to care for those around you, how to exist well in your strengths and in your gifts and your passions, how to find joy and peace. I want to show you, Jesus is saying, I want to show you how to live free and light in every area of your life. So come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Embrace my lifestyle, he's saying, because my way of life is the best. It's easy to bear, and the burden is light. And so as we begin this new year, building on last week, if anyone remembers last week, we talked about trusting God, delighting in him, committing to him, and waiting on him to act. As we do this together, we're going to dig into this lifestyle of Jesus and follow him to the good life together, starting first with what we see, talking about the practice of rest. Sounds good. Who needs some rest? Yeah, for real. Back to Jesus in 29. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. That sounds good. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. And we're talking about rest in January because rest, believe it or not, is an essential part of the Christian life. For anyone that's kind of like in and outside of, of the church, kind of on the suburban ring of church, this might sound like, what? Rest is a big deal to God? Rest is a central piece to the schedule, to the calendar of any follower of Jesus. But, friends, as we know, rest is often elusive, it's neglected, it's misunderstood, and, and it's ignored in our lives. And it's elusive, neglected, misunderstood, and ignored, oftentimes for really good, sensible reasons. Whether you're retired, whether you're a professional, whether you're a single parent or a junior hire, there are all sorts of reasons we so often miss out on the rest that God wants for us in our life. From the desire to be productive, anyone like being productive? Yeah. To make a difference, exams, coursework, social media. I think we want to be responsible, right? We want, we want to be a good employee. We, we have projects, we have housework. We, we have kids that have school sports. Anyone with kids in school sports or activities? Yep. We bought a house, and so we need to pay for it. And the mortgage, we got a side hustle. We got a, some of us want to continue to climb this, this ladder of employment, and so we work a lot and a lot and a lot, and then we bring it home and we work some more. Life is expensive. We have to pay bills. We want our family to be happy. We want our family to experience good things and have opportunities, and so we work. And we work, and we work, and we fill our lives with good things. And we fill our lives with kind of neutral things, and even sometimes we fill our lives with bad things. We fill our lives with all sorts of stuff, right? And all of this life that we bring in, that we live, it, it often leaves us hurried, tired, and stressed. I was doing some research this past week, and did you know that more than 75% of Americans said that their health had been affected by stress in 2022. What? That is not exclusive to outside of the church walls. That 75% of us have said that they, that, they, that they have been experiencing significant forms of stress in the last year, a stress that finds its footing overwhelmingly in a lifestyle of busyness where every day is filled with activity, leaving little to no margin to be proactive and to rest or to pause. And this is just, I know this, this, is just, this is just what it is, right? In almost every conversation I have, it starts with, with me saying, hey, how's it going? How was your week? And, and they're always like, oh, it was good. Busy. Good. Anyone ever said that? Every hand in the room, right? It's good and it's busy. A standard reply. And honestly, I say the same thing. I give the same answer. It's good, you know, with work. And, and the kids in school, but it's busy, right? It's good, but it's busy. And, and, and you know, it has been good and busy for a really long time. Good and busy as I move from one thing to the next to the next with no real intentional time to just pause and take a break. I mean, I, I had weekends. We all have weekends, right? I wasn't working 20 hours a day, but even with downtime, it wasn't always restful because I just filled it with more stuff. Even when I was off the clock, I filled my life with, with things like shopping and projects and, and cleaning and yard work and chasing dreams, chasing girls before I met Rebecca. And it was good, but I was busy. I was good and busy. And then I remember meeting Becca and, 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 and I first got together, we got together and we went from being friends in September to dating in October, to engaged in January, to married in June, and it was good. 
was busy. And then that fall, we started dreaming about this church plant. And, and so we, we were working and making plans, figuring out how to be married. We packed up our house. We sold our house. We moved, um, we moved states away over to Wisconsin from Minnesota and, and, and eventually moving um, on our first wedding anniversary. And it was good, by the way, but it was busy. And then from there, we hit the ground running, right, and started a church in our house. It outgrew our space. We bought a storefront. And then from our storefront, we got an opera house to meet in for Sundays. And it was good, but it was busy. It was so busy, and we did that for eight years, all the while eventually like buying another house, having a little kid named Ford who's awesome, and then having an unexpected, amazing little girl named River, then feeling the call to California, and then what do we do, right? We sell our house, we box up everything again. You know, we, we send it all over here again, move across the country again, and it was so good, and I'm so grateful, but it was just so busy. And then we land here, and it's December of 2019. We hit the ground running again. We move into an Airbnb as we look for a house. Thank you, Robert Thomas, for helping us find a house. And, and we find a house in California, and it's a miracle. And then we settle in, and we try to get to know the church, and the holidays were happening, and it was so good, and it was so busy. And then 2020 hits, and COVID comes, right? And the world shuts down, and, and we have to rethink everything about what it means to be church and to do things in all sorts of new ways. And it's good, but it's busy, and I hope you're catching the pattern here because I'm not, I'm pretty sure I'm, that you've been living a situationally different but empathetically similar story. We're all so busy as we've grown and multiplied and expanded and have been promoted in our lives because this is just the American pace of life. It's the American way. It is what we do, and it's good, but it's busy. As one thing leads to the next, which leads to the next, as days disappear into weeks and months and years and decades. Does anyone ever wonder, like, man, where did the years go? We lost them to busyness. And I know that for some of you in, this, in the house today, you're probably thinking, come on, pastor, big deal. Don't be a baby. It's just, it's just the way it is, especially in Los Angeles. If you want to make it, if you want to get ahead, if you want the life you want, then you gotta do the work. Quit whining, get with the program. And listen, I, I get it. I know the program. I've been living in the program for 40 years. I get it. I know that this is the program we see in our society and in our culture and in our communities because I've been living it. But what I'm coming to understand and what, I'm, what I need you to understand today is this program of busyness. It isn't the plan we see in the scriptures. It is not the dream that God has for us. It might be the American dream, this 21st century lifestyle of busyness, but it, it certainly doesn't lead to the life, the good life of rest that God has for us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. For followers of Jesus, for God's people, all throughout the Bible, they were given like this alternative schedule this alternative rhythm for life to the hustle and productivity of those around them. And, and, and this alternative life was called fruitfulness. It wasn't productivity, it was fruitfulness. And this life, it, it's not good but busy, it's just good. And then you stop and you rest. It's not good but busy, it's good. Now stop and rest. And this rhythm this rhythm, this counterculture schedule for life of fruitfulness, we see it all throughout our Bibles, but it's first introduced in the very beginning, and it's introduced by God through his own practice, through his own lifestyle at the beginning in creation. I just want to, I want to read this for you, Genesis chapter 1. 
the first chapter of our Bibles, God begins to establish the good life. And not just command it, he models it for what it means to work and to rest and to live. Check this out, starting in verse 28 into chapter 2. It says, Then God blessed them, them being Adam and Eve, his prize of creation. And so God made everything we see and everything we can't, and then best for last he made Adam and Eve. Verse 28, and it says that God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, there it is, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This is the work that God has assigned to people, to humanity. Go work hard, make sense of the world, reign over creation on God's behalf. This was the job. Then God said, verse 29, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit for trees uh, for your food. I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened then, verse 31. This is so good. Then God looked over all he made, saw that it was very good. Not busy, but very good. And evening passed and morning came the next, the sixth, uh, the next marking the sixth day. And this is chapter two. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was complete. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day where he rested from all his work of creation. And this is, friends, this is the practice and the priority that we see God give to Rest, And he takes this lifestyle so serious that he introduces on, like, chapter one of our scriptures, he takes it so serious that he puts it into the law that he gave his people, the Ten Commandments. And it actually takes up more screen time. This law takes more screen time than any of the other commandments in the list. Check this out from Exodus 20. It says this. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, God made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that's why the Lord blesses the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God is like, listen, this is what is expected for the good life. This is what's expected from my people. Work hard like I did. Call it good. It's good. It's good like I did. And then stop. Be present. Just stop. It's the fourth commandment. And while there's some debate... Um, about whether this command from Exodus called Sabbath is for the church or if it's no longer binding for followers of Jesus. Regardless, friends, this rhythm of rest that echoes what we'll experience in eternity, it was still an active discipline and part and practice of Jesus' life. This is how he lived. He lived an unhurried life. He lived an unbusy life. And as followers of Jesus, as we follow him together toward the best life can be, as we live like him, then rest is ultimately what we'll find. 
not as a requirement for salvation, but because we're saved. And again, regardless of law, if God, who is perfect, did not need rest, and yet still chose to rest, to model the good life for us because we need rest, why would we ever not follow his example? How foolish would we be, friends, to think that we could somehow come up with a better way of organizing our life? God knows us. He showed us the best way to live, a lifestyle defined and de designed to benefit our spiritual health, our mental health, our relationships, our bodies, and our minds. And so Exodus chapter 20, one more time, it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. And this is the good life that Jesus is leading us to. You work, you rest. You work, you rest. Okay, but what does this actually mean? Is it uh, contextual? Is it universal? Is rest sleeping all day on that seventh day? Is it relaxing? Is it going bowling? Is it shopping or watching Netflix or eating cookies? Like, when God commands that we model this lifestyle as we're following him, Matthew 11, to rest, what did he have in mind? How did he want us to use our day? Well, in the Hebrew, the definition for rest, this is really interesting. It actually comes from two different words that we see in Genesis. Um, and over the next few weeks, we'll be breaking down these definitions um, a bit more, uh, but quickly from 20,000 feet, the two words we see to, to describe rest early in Genesis 2 and also Exodus 20, the word we see is Shabbat, Shabbat. And this is where we get the word Sabbath, which literally means stop, just means just stop. Back to verse nine, it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day. It's a stopping day of rest dedicated to Lord your God. So rest is Shabbat, which means stop. But from there, this is where it gets interesting. God expands on rest with another word, and we see it in Genesis 2.15 when it says this. This is on the screen. It says that the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And the word here, placed, it actually comes from the Hebrew word nuach, which also translates to the word rest, to settle or to dwell. So verse 15, he's saying, so the Lord God settled man. He rested the man in the garden to be present and to tend or to watch over it. So we have two definitions here for what God practiced and what Jesus modeled when it came to rest. It's a lifestyle of stopping Stopping, and then being settled and present where God has you. Stopping work, then dwelling or settling in God's presence. It's Shabbat and it's Nuach that collectively pave the way to the good life of rest that God wants for you. And listen, it's important for us to understand that the biblical rest that Jesus is inviting us into, it isn't just stopping from work to recover from exhaustion. I think so often, like, we, we, we plug away, plug away, plug away, and then, like, we, we commit our Saturdays to just, like, ugh. But that's not what the rest is that God has for us. It's not just stopping. It's not just Shabbat. It's ceasing the work that you've been assigned from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's ceasing the work that you've been assigned, the, the, the dominion that you have over creation, so you might be recreated. 
so you might be recreated and settled into God's goodness. This is the new walk of rest. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew 11, this passage, and also a parallel scripture in Exodus 33. Lots of Bible today. It says this. It says, The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. This is Nuach. Everything will be fine for you. That's Exodus 33. And then Jesus said, again, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest, Nuach. I will give you presence. I will settle you. Rest is found not only in our stopping, our Shabbat. The real fullness of rest that God wants for us, that he has described to us since the first chapter, second chapter of our scriptures, the real fullness is found after we stop in him, in his new walk, in settling in the presence of God. It's a weekly rhythm called Sabbath, meant to recreate us and inspire us to continue working hard in the good work that we have been given. And I, and I think as I've, been, as I've been rolling this around, I think this just, honestly, it just really hits home for me. And I don't, I don't know where everyone's at, but it hits home for me because I seriously feel like I've just been going and going and going. And, and I don't even, it's almost like some of those seasons, I don't even remember when they changed. Because it just went from one thing to the next to the next. And what I've, what I've been so impressed with and what I've been so just struck by is I've been studying this good life that Jesus is inviting us into. First of all, that the good life isn't just about heaven. It's about living like heaven here. And one of the things we'll experience in heaven is true rest with God. A stopping and a settling in his presence. And I think what I've realized is that throughout the course of the past 20 years, it's, be just been a, it's just been a blur, and I know I'm not the only one. God wants to be your rest. He wants to give you rest. He wants you to help organize your schedule to discover the best life can be. God, God cares so much about you. I, I just need to understand this. God cares so much about you that he doesn't want you to live burned out stress-filled, anxiety-prone lives. Instead, he's inviting you and me into the good life as we choose to embrace his way that always leads to rest. And this is the dream, and it sounds, it sounds so good, doesn't it? I mean, who likes to be stressed? Quick show of hands. Anyone like to be stressed? Of course not. Tessa, I saw that hand. <laughs> who likes feeling overwhelmed? Has anyone felt overwhelmed in the last year? Who wants to find greater peace? Everyone. This is a no-brainer. So, so why is this hard for us? Why, why is it hard? Why don't we do it? Why isn't this just already a regular part of our life rhythm? Why are things so often good but busy? It's busy. I think there's four primary reasons as I was just thinking about you and me and our life. And, and I think for some of us, this practice of just taking a break is, is just like new information. It feels so foreign from the world that we occupy, from the hustle and bustle of LA life. And so I think as I'm presenting this, you're just like, man, you're still trying to process a God that actually cares about our everyday, that cares about our mental health and our, our state, like that God cares about us in such an intimate way. It's just hard to process sometimes. 
I think for, for, other of us, for others of us, maybe you grew up in a, a, really, like a really legalistic church and you heard about Sabbath rest in this really intense way and you remember how restricting and limiting it was for you growing up and now you're thinking, man, why would I ever want to do this? How is this really a gift? Now for others of us, even if we wanted to rest, we're so overextended that we don't even feel like it's an option to take an intentional day to be recreated by God. We got bills to pay and projects and expectations, so rest feels impossible and stress is all we see. Still, I think for others of us, rest is, is elusive simply because we don't know how to rest. All we know is how to be busy. <laughs> and we don't even know how to be still and know that he is God, and so we fill our time, even our downtime, with more and more activity, more and more stuff. And y'all, this last one, this last of the four, is absolutely me. Quick confession. I actually like being busy, Tessa. I like being busy. I feel like, like stuff is happening and I'm going somewhere. I feel like productive and accomplished and y'all, and I like checking things off a list. Anyone else like checking things off a list? Yeah, I like, I like being busy, I do. Even this past week, and this is so embarrassing, um, when I was studying for and working on this message, I got wrapped up in busyness, y'all. On my day off, I was writing a message about this and I still got wrapped up. I remember Friday night, we were just hanging out with the kids, playing Uno. We got like three different versions of Uno now, and the trick is keeping them all separate, okay? Because there are three different, anyway. And so we were playing, and we were just hanging out, and my brain was going. And it was going, and it was going, and so I grabbed my phone, right? Nothing wrong with the phone. Grab my phone, start doing some research, and I'm just mindlessly scrolling all sorts of stuff that, I, that could have waited for tomorrow. And I realized in that moment, even though I was off, it wasn't actually a day off. I wasn't resting. Why? Because I didn't stop. I didn't Shabbat. I was still working even though I wasn't working. And this, there was this moment where it was like this, you know, like the metaphorical light bulb. It's just like, bing! And I'm like, come on, David. What are you doing? You're about to preach on God's priority for rest and you can't even turn it off. What is the deal? And I don't know if anyone here can relate, but, but what I came to see, and I talked to Becca about it immediately, actually, it was like this weird conviction, was that the enemy of rest for me, the enemy of rest isn't so much information or experience or expectation as much as it's just options. We live in a world of endless options. Options are the enemy of my rest. Options keep me from stopping Options keep me from ceasing because there's always more to do or see or buy or process or talk about. And these options, they prevent me from unplugging. Has anyone ever wanted to watch a movie at home, but you get to the Netflix screen and you don't actually watch it? You just scroll through all of the options? And what could have been this really, like, amazing moment of downtime with your family, it ended up just being this stress-filled option mess. Welcome to my life. Options keep me from unplugging. My mind keeps going and going, and it distracts me from new walk. It distracts me from being fully present in a moment, from being rested in a moment. I might, I might be able to stop for a moment, but the options keep me from settling in a moment. Anyone ever been there? And this is what I realized. And so, so what I realized is that if I was to step into this new way, this priority of rest, into the good life to practice what I preach literally, I, I need to make some pre-decisions that limit options in my life. 
I need to limit options so I can actually stop. And I was sitting in the kitchen and I was telling Becca, like, hey, I need you, I need you to help me limit options. And so when we have an off day, when we take a day just to, to, to be together, to be settled with one another and to be settled with the Lord, I need you to make decisions. Or we need to decide ahead of time so we're not in that moment scrolling on Netflix for 25 minutes. If I was to step into this new way, I needed to limit my options so I could actually stop and settle. But as you think about you, and I know this is kind of a broad overview of what we're gonna be talking about for January, but as you think about your own life and you think about your pace, you think about your busyness, you think about your schedule, some of you might be retired and you're like, I don't got anything to do and I'm still not rested. Some of you might be thinking, I, I'm, in, I'm in junior high and I'm busy all the time because of school and sports. So as you think about your own life, you think about your pace, you think about the rhythm of your schedule, the question I have for you is just what keeps you from rest? What keeps you from creating that weekly moment of just stopping and calling it good? Do you know? I know what it is for me, but I just, I, I wonder what it might be for you. But whatever it is, I just need you to understand, again, as we're just introducing this concept, we're gonna dig deeper for the rest of the month. I, I need you to know that God is inviting you into a better way. God is inviting you into the good life. He knows what you need more than you do. You might like being busy, but he knows what's good for you because he created you that way. He created you for this life. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna go through this practice of, of rest and Sabbath. But, but let me just say, they're gonna be really practical for the next couple weeks. We'll be digging into some spiritual, relational, and physical disciplines. We see in the scripture for how to make the most of our days, for how you know, Jesus is calling us into this new way. And so, so please, if you can, just make a point to be here because if you give yourself to this, if you give yourself to this, I promise you we'll all come out the other side of January with a greater sense of peace and joy and patience with less stress and more rest. And so be here, but as we, as we close today and just kind of wrap up this intro, I just... I just wanna give you a quick challenge, and I know that Jehun loves challenges when I extend them, right? Every time I give you a challenge, you just go, yes. And then you message me on a Wednesday and you say, hey, I'm doing the challenge. And so are you ready for the challenge? Okay, here we go. As we close for today, I just wanna give you this challenge because I know it can be a lot to shift this mentality. Some of you are just thinking like, man, I, I don't know how to unplug for a whole day and find rest. I don't even know what rest is for me. I get it. So here's my challenge. In the next week, this is something we can all do. Pick a day, look at your calendar, pick a day and a time with intention, and then put on your calendar and then tell your family and friends that you're going to stop doing and start being present. Just take out your calendar and look at it. Pick, pick, I don't care how long. Put your phone away, turn off your notifications, stop scrolling, stop shopping, Stop cleaning, stop being productive, and start settling with the Lord and those around you. This is, the, this is the challenge. And it might sound nebulous. You're like, well, what in the world does that look like? What are we gonna do? We're just gonna stand in a circle and be bored? I don't know. But give yourself, just give yourself. This is what we're learning together. We're a family here. Here's the challenge. Give yourself to a time and moment where you can be recreated by God and others. We need it. I think a really great entry point for this practice, and Jehan, write this down. 
is eating together, spending time at the table. So grab your family, grab some friends if you want, and, and take an hour or two or three to stop and eat, to just be present, to call it good, to eat the best food, to laugh and to talk about dumb stuff, to play games, to smile, to think about things that bring you joy, to reflect on moments that inspire you. Leave your phone in the other room, in the car, and, and do whatever you can to just take a deep breath and appreciate the good life God has for you. Because this is what God wants for you. This is the first step into the Sabbath that Jesus is calling into you. So, so that's it, just challenge from your pastor. Grab your calendar and schedule rest into your week. Start with an hour, just an hour. Then next week, make it two. After that, make it three. Who knows, make it an afternoon and prepare for it. Like I said to Rebecca, I said, I can't think about what movie we're gonna watch on our, on our date. I need you to decide or we need to decide ahead of time. So, so prepare for this moment of rest. Work hard, don't leave it up to chance. Don't give yourself too many options in the moment. Work hard, call it good and then live in the goodness with God and others. I think sometimes, I, and I don't know where we get this, but there is something in our society that just says work harder. And I want you to know that work is so important to God. Before he commanded rest, he commanded work. But it's both sides. This is the lifestyle of following Jesus. And so I know that some of you might be thinking, all right, well, I'm, I'm gonna follow Jesus. This isn't law for me anymore. And so I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll try, whatever. This isn't meant to be a burden for you. This is meant to be a blessing. This instruction from Jesus to take a moment to breathe is not, what does what Jesus say? That, uh, that man is not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for the man. This is good for us. And for the next couple weeks, we're gonna figure out how to do it together. So we can come out the other side of this month with less stress and more rest, amen? Cool, so this is Matthew 11. It's your first week here. I know this might feel a little weird, but if it's your first week here, I just wanna end with this from uh, Matthew 11. I'm just gonna read this one more time. This is God, this is Jesus, walking on earth, calling us to imitate him and to model him in everything. And he says this about his way. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This, uh, 20 minutes ago, I asked you, has anyone experienced stress in 2020? Every hand was in the air. Jesus wants to give you rest. He wants to be your rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my way, my lifestyle is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is the way of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord and what it means to be a Christian. So let us follow him. Amen. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to go eat some good food. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you that you love us enough to give us instruction to how to live the best. Jesus, we're so grateful that, that your command to us is not work 20 hours a day and never take a day off, but instead, God, you know us and you know what we need. You wired us for productivity, for fruitfulness, and yet you also, you created us with this requirement to take a break, to really stop 
and to settle in moments. Otherwise, life just passes us by. And so, Jesus, we, we're just grateful that you love us enough to give us this instruction, that you love us enough to call us to look different than the rest of the world that just keeps burning the candle on both ends, God, but instead, God, that you are our enough. You are our sufficiency. We don't need more and more. We don't need to keep filling our lives with endless stuff. Instead, God, we know that you're the only one that will satisfy. And so as we follow you, you say, come to me. You say, come to me and I will be your rest. So God, we are coming to you now. We are following you into this season of fruitfulness. And God, we ask that you would just be with us in it, that you give us some discipline in this, God, that we, this is not gonna be easy, God, but just keep it on the forefront of our minds, that you want us to not live tired and burned out and stressed, but God, you want us to find peace as often as we can to live and rest. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for that instruction. Like a good dad looking in on his kids, you're saying, this is the best way to live. And so God, we're hearing you today. And we ask that you would just give us a heart for this change. That you'd help us settle into a new rhythm where we can be productive, where we can be fruitful. And yet we can still find time to settle, to stop, and to be present. And so God, we love you and we thank you for this incredible day in the greatest city in the known world, La Crescenta, California. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for these people and the history and the legacy of this community. God, we know that, we're, that you're just getting started and the best is yet to come. So God, help us enjoy this incredible lunch today, this potluck, spending time together and uh, the good things and to settle in. So God, we love you and we thank you for this day. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen.